Welcome back to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride interview series. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Very pleased to be joined by NBC Sports' Michelle Tafoya, the award-winning reporter for Sunday Night Football, primetime television's number one show for 10 years counting. Michelle will be on the sidelines for Sunday's Chiefs-Browns matchup beginning at 7.20 p.m. We call it Arrowhead time, Michelle. Arrowhead time on both NBC and Peacock. How excited are you for this game? You know, when our schedule came out, there were a number of games that jumped off the page, and this was certainly one of them. To have this one early with these two quarterbacks who are, you know, I mean, you could say it's still early, but we've had great rivalries between quarterbacks or great, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning over the years. And this, this could definitely be one of those for years to come. So it's always fun to see these guys face off. That's I think where this game has to start with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is three and zero right now against Jackson in his career. We know how Kansas Cityans feel about this rivalry per se on the Kansas city side. How eager is Jackson to get over what would be considered like a Mahomes hump? How eager are the Ravens to see this finally get done for him? I think they're, they're very eager. Uh, look, they have a lot of new guys on, on this team. Um, that understand this this whole rivalry, this dynamic you and I are talking about with these yeah. two quarterbacks. And just like everyone in Kansas City adores Patrick Mahomes, everyone on this Ravens roster adores Lamar Jackson in a same way. They, they, they gravitate to him. They love his leadership. They want to play hard for him. And based on the way that Monday night game went, it, uh. you know, ending in excruciating fashion, uh, they are. They really want to get the taste out of their mouths uh, that that they had to endure, and it's a short week for them. It makes it tougher. We all know that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of the things about this matchup. I, I would guess that even though the Chiefs won their opener, yeah, they still feel like they had a, a, some things they could clean up. So it's uh, it's two teams that are still really you know looking to be dominant as the sooner the better, and um, this this is an important week for both. You mentioned the Monday night game. It was that interesting game where you're watching in Kansas City. You know the Chiefs play the Ravens next week. You know they got the Raiders twice. I think a lot of Chiefs fans, it's rare that you're rooting for the Ravens, but I think a lot of people in Kansas City wanted to see the Ravens pull it out, and and they couldn't. I know, and this is from the USA Today article that was done with you ahead of the season. You get on your next game. You have your Sunday night game, but you get on your next game on, on Monday morning. Yeah. So we talked about Mahomes and Jackson. What are some of your other favorite storylines heading into this game? Well, I'm, I'm fascinated. I, first of all, uh, full disclosure, I think offensive linemen are some of the most interesting, funny <laughs> people in any locker room in the NFL. Yeah. And you've got a really interesting offensive line situation. Actually, both teams do, but I think Kansas City's is is probably more impactful, more interesting, and uh, it's it's you know it's still a work in progress. I mean, it's an overhaul like no other, right? Um, and then you've got Alejandro Villanueva in in Baltimore, uh, and he has switched ends of the line, and you know to be, go from being a Steeler your entire career to suddenly being a Raven. Uh, he had some fun things to tell me today about that. So I like those offensive line stories. Um, I, you know, I think Patrick Queen in in Baltimore is a really interesting player who seems to already have taken such a leap from year one to year two, and he could be a real problem for, for Kansas City. But, um, you know, then there's Sammy Watkins going over to Baltimore, facing his old team. He was only right. with Kansas City a, a couple of years, but it's, it's still a – 
an interesting, you know, what's he going to do for this team? He was very important, I thought, to the Chiefs. And uh, how do they make up for him? You know, who is is McCall Hardman really their next guy? Is he ready to take on that that big of a role? So there are plenty of storylines to follow in this one. I want to get to what is almost this double revenge game in a sense type of thing. You mentioned Sammy Watkins, and I think McCole Hardman, especially stemming from that Browns game, is still in the process of proving himself there. But you also have Justin Houston, who is a former chief, and then Orlando Brown Jr., who left the Ravens because he wanted to play left tackle, and they saw him as a right tackle. Now suddenly Ronnie Stanley's out. They probably wish they had Brown Jr. Uh, Of those three players – Okay, so we have, again, it's Watkins, it's Houston, and it's Orlando Brown. Uh, We'll see if Le'Veon Bell plays. But of the three we're talking about who we know are playing, who do you think this game matters the most to of those three three players? Oh, you know what? I, I, I think that would be hard to measure. And I think even if I talked to each of them individually, yeah. it would still be hard to measure because really some players are really forthcoming about what a game means to them and others – just kind of give you the normal, yeah, it's any other game, or yeah, this game means a lot, or whatever. Um, but you you lay out three really compelling reasons that each of these guys would have, you know, that sort of yeah. let me show you kind of attitude. <laughs> I, you know, I think I think um, I think it might be Orlando. I, I do. If if I had to sit back and go, all right, I, I wanted the the one of those players that really has the most to prove might be him, um, and so. That, you know, I think Sammy Watkins doesn't have a ton to prove anymore. Uh, Neither does Houston. So that's probably the direction I would go. Michelle, we were talking about the production meetings a little bit last week and just how much you can garner from getting to talk to these players. A little bit more of a relaxed setting where it's a conversation. When you saw this game came come up and, and you're going to be doing it Sunday at 720, what was maybe a burning question on your mind when it comes to both organizations that you wanted to ask at some of these meetings? Well, I certainly want to know how the Chiefs, um, you know, when you lose a Super Bowl, just ask Chris Collinsworth. He lost a couple and it eats at him every single day. And even though the Chiefs won the previous one, you go to a Super Bowl. There's I just think that you don't care about anything but winning. And the fact that you got there really in the end, if you lose means nothing to you. And so I think the Chiefs. I'm I'm just really interested to know how all of that sat with them and how they're returning from that. Um, I also think for the Ravens, like, you know, this team, it's your kryptonite. What are you going to do about the Chiefs? Yeah. Because this is, if, if you're going to win the AFC, you know, you're going to have to beat the Chiefs at some point. So, you know, how, how do you go about doing that? And do you then, you know, build your roster in a way that says, okay, let's look at the AFC. Who must we beat to go on to the Super Bowl? Who has, who's going to be there every year? And you figure out who that is. And I think, I think right now um, it's the chiefs. You can see, certainly point to a lot of other teams. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you could always have pointed to new England in the past, but right now I think it's the chiefs. And I think it's, it's interesting to think of how the Ravens as an organization is plotting and planning for that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Just two more questions for you. And and the first has to do with just Kansas City Chiefs and covering this team over the past few years. Who has been your favorite and maybe most intriguing Chiefs player to cover? And why has that been? Um, Chris Jones. He is funny. <laughs> yeah. He's funny. He's Marty great laughing. To talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, 
when you approach Chris that he's, first of all, he's going to be really fun to talk to, really easy to talk to. At least he has been for me. I will say that I've had a great uh, time and I've interviewed him pretty much at least once every season. And, you know, he'll call me Miss Michelle and he'll start telling me all the stories. And once you get into a story with him, man, he can give you details about a restaurant, about a meal he ate, something that's just going to make you laugh. So um, I think he's certainly one. I think Kelsey's another one. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's entertaining. So, um, but as always, I, 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 I wish I could spend a week in the offensive line meeting room of any team in the league because <laughs> yeah, I think that's where I've been in the best. The Chiefs, of course, have that brand new offensive line. With that brand new offensive line, what is your general outlook for this team in 2021? You know, Andy Reid's the coach, and he's done incredible things with this team. Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. He's There are so many words to describe him, and none of them seem quite appropriate because he's generational. He's new. He's different. He's kind of yeah. unlike anything we've seen. He's a mixture of so many different players that it's hard to just characterize him in one or two words. That means a lot. Kelsey, probably the best at his position. I mean, certainly as a receiving tight end. Um Tyreek Hill, I, you know, there's just, there are so many weapons and there's so much brain power in, in that coaching uh, group that it's just, it's just always going to be, okay, where are the Chiefs on the schedule? What are they going to do this year? Uh, And I think something dramatic would have to happen to ever kind of marginalize them. I think they're just always going to be in that group of four or five teams that you, 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 the schedule comes out and you immediately go to them. Let's end here. Anything in particular that's special about this weekend's broadcast that maybe Chiefs fans should look forward to? You know, I I don't know yet, and I don't know if I want to give too much away. We're still, as the day that you and I are recording this, we've still got a lot of meetings to have. And I got to tell you, you know, you hear the word meeting and you think, oh, God, that sounds boring. (laughs) But we have... We have discussions to have with players and coaches. We've still got a lot of that to do. I've finished awesome. my own my own six interviews that I've done this week with my players. Um, and so now then you take all these ingredients, right? And you try to cook up something that Bobby Flay would appreciate. And, you, you know, you try to, to make it all really palatable and really interesting and throw in some spices that no one's going to expect. So we've got a big table full of ingredients right now. And uh, I just think in all you're tuning in for the game ultimately the game is the thing we all understand that so much of our preparation winds up going out the window when we do the game because the game is the thing and this one's going to be a doozy that is the voice of nbc sports's michelle tafoya once again she's the award-winning reporter for sunday night football primetime tv's number one show for 10 years running Catch Michelle on the sidelines for Sunday's Chiefs and Ravens game beginning at 7.20 p.m. Arrowhead time on NBC and Peacock. Thank you, Michelle, for taking some time. Thanks for having me. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome into the Arrowhead Pride interview series post-game show wrap-up. I don't really know what we're calling it at this point. We should probably figure that out. I am host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steve Inserta. Very happy to be joined by one of our Arrowhead Pride contributors, Mark Gunnels. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, super excited. Mark's doing really good work for us at arrowheadpride.com. So if you can, give him a follow on Twitter at Mark A. Gunnels. But Mark, as the podcast listeners just heard, our editor-in-chief, Pete Sweeney, sat down with NBC Sports reporter, award-winning uh, Sunday Night Football reporter, Michelle Tafoya. Uh, I, I'm sure you have respect and admiration for Michelle Tafoya, as I do. She's absolutely brilliant at her job. But we just kind of wanted to give you guys a reaction to some of the things that she had to say in the interview and maybe elaborate on some of her points as they affect the Chiefs and Ravens Sunday night football matchup. So, Mark, I don't know about you, but she mentioned the offensive lines and both of them in these games. And it is one of the biggest storylines headed into Sunday night football because obviously the Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown Jr., a uh, move that the Baltimore Ravens made to the two-time defending AFC champions for some reason. Uh, we It doesn't really make sense. Why, when you think the Chiefs are their biggest rival or adversary in the AFC, why they would trade a talented player to them when the Chiefs were in desperate need of a new left tackle. But the Ravens did it. And now they're dealing with their own problems in their star left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, who looked... Not great against the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night football, but he's really banged up right now fighting through some injuries, and there's a good chance he's not going to play on Sunday night. So there's kind of a tale of two tapes on these offensive lines, and I'm glad Michelle brought it up because the Chiefs, we liked what we saw in week one. There's room for improvement there, but you expect that they're going to get better as the season goes on. Now the Ravens seem to be headed in a completely different direction. Yeah, I mean... I've been saying this since day one. I don't understand why you would trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. Now, I'm not saying don't trade him because we all know he wanted to be a left tackle, so I get that. But to the team that you're chasing, the team that you can't beat, the team that Lamar calls their kryptonite, it made no sense to me at the time. And then now they have to be kicking themselves because now they're all pro left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, not only is probably going to be out this week, this may linger for a few weeks from what I've seen. It's a pretty uh, significant injury. So, uh, I mean, we're not going to complain here in Kansas City, but <laughs> if you're a Baltimore fan right now, you got to be kicking yourselves. But as far as the O-line, yeah, it could definitely get better for the Chiefs. Uh, but it's week one. Five new starters going against Miles Garrett, Clowney. You're not going to expect perfection, but they did good enough. They won the game, and that's all that matters. 
you have to be impressed with what they did in week one on the offensive line where, you know, Trey Smith looks like a monster. Creed Humphrey looks like a monster, like the interior of that offensive line with two rookies that the chiefs look like they're good there. And I thought, I thought Niang did pretty good as well too. Yeah. And Niang did good. And Orlando Brown had some missteps and he acknowledged that earlier this week when he spoke with the media that, Hey, I got to get better. And when Michelle was talking about the players with the most approved, now there's storylines galore in this game with Sammy Watkins, now a Baltimore Raven, Justin Houston, now a Baltimore Raven and Orlando Brown jr returning to Baltimore for the first time since they traded him this early in the season. And Michelle acknowledged that she thinks Orlando's probably got the most approved. I tend to agree with her in this one after that week one performance. Now I know the Browns defensive line is stacked. Miles Garrett's an absolute beast and their defense is really improved, but the Ravens have a good defense of their own. Even after their struggles late in that game against the Las Vegas Raiders, you got to worry about Justin Houston still Calais Campbell's still a problem. Like that defense is still very good. And so I think if there's one player in this game that you could come out of this thing and say, okay, he showed up. Like that's why you traded for him. It's Orlando Brown jr. Right? Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, he's the youngest out of the three. Um, He's playing left tackle exclusively for the first time in his career. We know how much that means to him. Uh, Consider his father play left tackle. So I definitely tend to agree there, but I'll kind of just to play devil's advocate mention Sammy Watkins. I mean, we all know his injury history here in Kansas City. He looked good in week one, but we've seen him look good in week ones before. But I mean, if he could stay healthy this year, he's probably the number one receiver. I think ever since he's been drafted into Buffalo, it's probably the first time that he's asked to be somebody's number one. So I think he's a lot to prove as well. I think so. I mean, he's still relatively young. People forget that he's only what twenty-seven. It's around that. He's not that old. Like he's I think we, young. Yeah, you you would think he's older than what he really is. He feels like he's thirty, but he's really not that old. So I mean, the injury history, obviously, but the fact that he's their number one and they really, really, truly need him to be that guy. I would argue that he has the most to prove. I do uh, agree with that. Like, I I think that Orlando Brown's kind of got this chip on his shoulder because he wanted, I don't, I don't know that he necessarily at one point wanted to leave the Baltimore Ravens. It was just when we paid Ronnie Stanley. So you got to go back to right tackle as soon as he's healthy and Orlando Brown Jr. Say, no, I'm trying to get paid. These guys on the left side get paid. So I'm trying to keep playing left tackle. And that's when things kind of started to fall apart. I just think that, you know, there's no love lost with Sammy Watkins and the Chiefs. Like Andy Reid just talked about how much he loves Sammy as a, as a player and as a person. And Eric Bieniemy, uh just did nothing but praise Sammy Watkins and what an incredible person he is. I think there's a lot of love on this team for Sammy Watkins still. It's just kind of the way things go in the NFL. I think Sammy feels the same way on the other side of the ball. Now, I will say I think Sammy has a lot to prove to football, like to the football community. But I don't think he's coming into this game thinking like, oh, I got to go out here and just torch Charvarius Ward or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of more I was leaning towards towards more football, not necessarily against the Chiefs. But yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying for sure. Yeah, like he is uh, – I, I think Sammy – I think Chiefs fans still have a lot of love for Sammy. I think that – If it were at Arrowhead Stadium, I think he would get a warm reception, but it's going to be in Baltimore. So 
I, I want to touch on her mentioning the Chiefs kind of being the Ravens kryptonite. And of course, Lamar Jackson has said that before himself. And it's true. Like, there's was some criticism after the way they lost that game on Monday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders that like, Oh, that's why, you know, Lamar's not the guy that can, you know, carry you. And I totally disagree with that take. I think that Lamar Jackson was carrying that team on Monday night football. I think that Lamar looked about as good as I've ever seen him look in his NFL career on Monday night football. And the rest of the team let him down his offensive line. This Raiders pass rush is not very good. Like Max Crosby's a player, but they Cleveland Farrell was a healthy scratch. Like their yeah. pass rush is not particularly dominant, and they were giving that offensive line problems all night long. And then now Chris Jones and a healthy Frank Clark are probably coming to town. And so I do still think the Chiefs win this football game, but I am curious to see if Lamar takes like, is there a scenario where the Ravens still lose this game, but Lamar can kind of put to bed the kryptonite talk. Like if he goes out there, he does everything possible, but they still lose the game because the chiefs are just the better team right now. I don't think so. I think they have to win for them to get rid of that label, just because the fact he's already on three. Now maybe if this was like the second or third meeting, then that'll be a different scenario, but now it's kind of adding up at this point. Now it's like, okay, now you're own four. So, I, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying with that angle, but I think at this point the narrative will still be still your kryptonite. You still can't get over him unless you win the game. And to your point about the game on Monday night, he did look good, but let's not excuse the two fumbles. I mean, those are big. Those both led to 14 points, and obviously the last one led to the game-winning touchdown. So while he did play great, and I understand the line wasn't good, still got to protect the football. Yeah, for, for sure. And yes, those are inexcusable mistakes. Um, and obviously you can't do that. If you, especially if you do that against the chiefs, you're just not going to win this football game. Yeah, you can and, give them possessions. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just don't know that I believe they've got the firepower right now, you know, maybe later in the year, uh, if they get Rashad Bateman back and he looks like he's a, a stud type of wide receiver, it's just they're so banged up at the running back position along the offensive line. They're losing defenders left and right. It, it, it's just hard for me to believe the Ravens are going to be able to pull this thing off. So, yeah, you're probably right, Mark. The uh, The kryptonite thing is probably going to keep running after this game. I just want my guy Lamar to get the love that I think he deserves. Uh, but last thing, Mark, Michelle did mention her favorite Chiefs, and now she said, she loves Travis Kelsey, and she really loves the offensive line, but Chris Jones is her favorite chief. Did you have Chris Jones as Michelle Tafoya's favorite chief? I probably would have said Travis Kelsey, but Chris Jones wouldn't have been too far off. I mean, we know he's a very big personality guy. Uh, he's always smiling. He's always seems to be happy. Uh, he always gets great sound bites to the media. So, I mean, it's not too surprising that he would be somebody's favorite chief. I mean, the guy, his name is Stone Cold, for crying out loud. I mean, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, you know, every time I hear that, I think about the wrestler. So, I mean, he's a great guy. But I probably would have guessed Travis Kelsey just because, you know, I mean, everybody loves Travis Kelsey as well, too. So you can't go wrong either way. I think I would have had Kelsey or Mahomes, too. But you know what? I'm juiced that she picked Chris Jones because Chris Jones is – 
the best interview on the team. He's absolutely hilarious. I love Chris Jones. Uh, my sleeper would have been Colin Saunders, but I don't think anybody in the national media gets uh, gets to talk to Colin Saunders. Enough. <laughs> but he's, he's a fantastic interview. If uh, NBC, if you ever get a chance to uh, interview Colin San- Saunders, I'm sure the Chiefs would give him to you. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you download, rate, subscribe, review, do all that stuff on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We've got stuff dropping seven days a week over here we got you covered all season long mark thank you so much you can follow mark gunnels on twitter at mark a gunnels i'm steven serta that's where you can find me we'll talk to you guys soon